Hello and welcome to this episode of Teachers Talk Tech, an EdTech podcast by Cambridge University Press and Assessment for language teachers by language teachers on using technology inside and outside of the classroom. My name is Hayo, and today my guests are Justin Edwards from Microsoft and Marianne Pickles from Cambridge University Press and Assessment. Marianne and Justin, great to have you here. Great to be here. Likewise, great to meet you. Today we have a very interesting episode. We're going to be talking about game based learning, which I know is a favorite area for all three of us, uh, actually. So, um, Mary, I'm going to start with you. What exactly is game-based learning? Yeah, so game-based learning is when you take an immersive video game experience and use it for educational purposes. Games are, by their nature, very powerful learning tools because of the feedback loops that are built within them. So that can be harnessed for educational purposes. And how is game-based learning different from, for example, gamified learning? Gamification is basically when you take game elements and apply them to a non-game context. So for example, if I want to learn the guitar, maybe I'm using an app to motivate me, maybe it gives me trophies or daily challenges, something like that. The core activity I'm doing in that case is playing the guitar. So that's what makes it gamification. Whereas with game-based learning, the core activity I'm doing is playing a video game. So Justin, what are some of the the benefits of games, especially in the context of, of language learning? So games have some unique functions. First of all, there's the ability to fail forwards or learn through failure. So you can actually make mistakes or make errors. And from those errors, you can learn new skills or new abilities or new knowledge. Um, and that's slightly different maybe from other forms of assessment where it's all about achievement and success. And failure is a, a useful tool in games because children are used to it. They can actually find some reward uh, and they find reward then in, in skilling up, being more able to complete the task in order to achieve that. Games also allow non-linear experiences, so I can actually choose my path or choose my engagement or choose the way I experience the language and develop that way, and I can re-immerse myself in that path. They allow uh, multiplayer uh, connectivity, so I can actually learn together with somebody else. I can discuss my experiences, and the experience is never the same twice between two individual learners. And so I gain more from the discussion after the game uh, with somebody else who's played it, and I can share that experience and develop that knowledge deeper and further. And they also uh, reward repeat play. So where we have subjects where depth of knowledge or repetition is actually going to formulate better understanding like languages, then actually games facilitate that because I enjoy repeating the game and trying to get better at it or trying to improve my skill in order to get a higher score or to complete the game in a shorter amount of time or to experience something else in the game. So there are many advantages that we don't get from traditional or classical forms of teaching that we, we start to see with inside gameplay. Marianne, I know that you and Justin at, uh, at Microsoft uh, and Cambridge University Press and Assessment, you've been working together to develop some, some games. What are some of the sort of benefits, advantages that you've observed from these games for, for the language learners? One of the big ones is the way that a video game like Adventures in English can democratize the immersive language learning experience. To give you a personal example, I learned Spanish by 
moving to Spain. Now, that was very effective, but it's not very practical. A lot of people, if they want to learn English, can't just move to an English-speaking country and immerse themselves in that language. And so by having a video game which is tailored to the level of beginner speakers, then you can get that immersive experience without having to leave the comfort of your home. I think another aspect comes back to what Justin said about freedom to fail. The way that that ties into developing learners' persistence. One of the things that is really powerful about video games is that way in which you you try, you fail, you try again. And that's there's no avoiding that. It's built into the whole system. And that's exactly like a foreign language. You know, you have to try and get your message across and the person you're talking to says, huh? Can you repeat that? I don't understand you. And if you don't persist, then you won't be able to communicate sounds like the story of my life. Fail, try again, fail again, <laughs> try again, fail again uh, at infinitum. Um, Justin, who, who are games for? Who do you develop for? Well, we're seeing that games are spreading through generations now and intergenerational play. So obviously the games that we've been developing and working with Cambridge are primarily targeted at the K through to 12 high school kind of systems. Um, but gameplay is ubiquitous across all age ranges now. So Minecraft, where I work for the average age of a player in Minecraft is 24 years old. And actually it goes up well beyond the age of 60. We see gameplay play happening. And it's also diversifying across communities. Uh, historically, gameplay might have been synonymous with with young men, but actually the largest growing market is female gameplay. Uh, female gameplay is actually balanced out now. It's almost 50-50. And um, we're also seeing increases in uh, the Global South use games on devices, mobile phones, as devices become more ubiquitous and, and accessible. So, but when we do think about the games, we do think about age groups and how they think about things from a cultural perspective, how the language is produced, um, how they will enjoy different aspects of the game, the kind of features, and what they expect with inside the game, maybe kind of cultural norms with that age group as well, so we can feature it for them. So we do think carefully about how they will relate to the content at a particular age, but you find adults play the games and enjoy them just as much. Uh, what if I'm listening to this and I'm not a game player myself and I'm not particularly tech savvy, you know, can I still use games? Yeah, absolutely, you can. And I think it might require a little bit of a shift in your thinking if you're a teacher. I used to be a teacher and I remember that feeling of um, wanting to at least give the impression that everything was under control. I think teachers can also sometimes feel that they ought to know more about the topic than their students. But if you're an English teacher teaching through games, you might encounter the situation where some of your students actually do know more about the game and the gameplay than you do. And that can sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I would encourage teachers to embrace that and make the most of it and bring that into the experience of, of using this medium. And another opportunity there is that the students who have a higher level of ability with games can support 
the students in your class who have a lower ability. So you have different choices to make about how to group students together. And one choice might be to group the more proficient gamers with the less proficient ones so that they can help each other, but they'll also help you. And I think, you know, if you're in that position of feeling less comfortable, but still being willing to go for it, I think just be upfront with the students about that. And, you know, they'll, they'll love it. So how would we go about integrating uh, games into into the classroom, into the curriculum? Justin, you know, it's one thing to have access to a game, but that's not the same as making good use of it within the context of an entire course, for example. So any, any suggestions for what that would look like? I think that um, the, th the first thing is being aware of what the game will cover, how it relates to the curriculum, and all teachers will do this for any tool or any information. How does this cover the particular areas of curriculum that I'm teaching? Does it cover a particular age group? The next thing is teachers will um, or can be nervous about bringing games into a classroom. Maybe they haven't played this game or any other game in some cases before. They haven't experienced it. And so they will feel... Um, trepidation because maybe the learners will understand the game and to Marion's point actually there's a great opportunity to flip the classroom there and actually allow the learners to show the teacher how to use the game and really enjoy the experience of learning from the learners while still experiencing the, the, the learning of the language uh, in this particular case and I think that then it's seeking out the, the skills, enough skill to be able to understand what's happening in the game, how to play it, the basic functions, maybe work through um, if the game comes with a playthrough video or comes with some advice about how to complete the puzzles or the challenges in the same way as a teacher would familiarize themselves with coursework or textbook or question items in case the child gets stuck on a particular point or becomes frustrated or wants to understand more about the particular topic, that's always good. But these are good preparations that we would do for a normal classroom anyway. And then take it into the classroom. And my recommendation would always be start the class with the knowledge or the understanding that you want to provide to the learners and set the scene before you introduce the game. Because the minute you introduce the game, children will love the game. They will engage with the game. They'll be absorbed by the game. And so unless you take that moment just to set the scene away from the machines, sometimes that can be lost. And then unleash the game in the classroom and enjoy the fun and the enjoyment and the excitement and the pleasure that the children get out of it. And don't forget that classic recap. Take an opportunity to just consolidate what's been learned, um, talk about the fun and the enjoyment and what they experience through the game and the challenges they face talk with the students who found it difficult and let them explain why they found it difficult and find relationship with students else in the class who have actually achieved something and build confidence that the next time you come back to play the game again, maybe there's another mode, uh, another part of the game that you're going to play in the next class. You've already set up how the class will run and the children will appreciate that. So that's my tip for getting it into the classroom. Marianne, you and Justin have been working on developing uh, games within Minecraft. Do you have any experiences you can share of uh, what you've observed, you know, how teachers make use of that and what that looks like in, in practice? Definitely. And I think a, a major pattern that we've noticed is the amount of difference there is between schools, teachers, classrooms 
different setups that people have, different technology that they have access to. And so flexibility has been a key concept for us uh, to keep in mind while we've been designing adventures in English. During some of the pilots that we've run, we've seen the game being used successfully in a number of different formats. For example, there are some teachers who have access to enough devices so that every student can have their own, and that works well. But if you have access to fewer devices, or if you want to set up a different kind of activity, like a group work activity, then it works just as well to have students in groups of two or three around a single device. We've also seen it being used where there was only one device for the class and the game was being presented at the front and students took it in turns to control the game and then the rest of the class participated. Teachers who don't have access to devices in class, there's also the option of having the gameplay part done at home with instructions about which parts to complete, and then having spin-off activities in class that build on the gameplay experience. So there are a lot, a lot of different options available that can be tailored to each teacher's situation. Are there any special skills that teachers may need to successfully adopt game-based learning? I think the first part is courage. Because games are fairly new on the scene in terms of, of ed tech. Minecraft education is about five years old. And so it's like introducing any new technology, it, uh, having the courage to bring that into the classroom. The second thing is trust the students. Know that they will help you with the game, but they will benefit more from the learning with inside the game. I think communication uh, is very important, not just to the students, but often teachers will have to communicate with parents. We're introducing a game. This is the reasons why we're introducing the game. It's going to reward. It's going to benefit learners in terms of their depth and knowledge of the subject. It's fun. It's playful, but fun and play actually lead to good learning. So being able to communicate to leadership, sometimes leadership within inside the school may have a doubt about introducing a game. So just again, explaining it, it's leading to learning objectives and learning outcomes. It's gameplay with purpose and with educational purpose. And it has very specific outcome within inside the gameplay that we're trying to achieve with the learners as well. And finally, just a sense of enjoyment of learning. You know, teachers have this naturally they want learners to learn the subject they are passionate about the subject and and this just gives an opportunity to open up that passion and love of languages in this particular case and reconnect learners with the languages in the fun and enjoyment that they will get from the game and start a new conversation outside the game i think the skills are a lot softer than just kind of the technical skills of being able to turn the computer on and, and load the game up now, are there any resources that uh, we can offer teachers who want to learn more about this topic? Cambridge has run a few webinars about this. So we did one about immersive games. We did another one about gamification. We also have some blog posts on the topic with some example lesson plan ideas. You can go to education.minecraft.net. Um, that's uh, the website for the Minecraft education game. And there's a search bar at the top. You can type adventures in English, or you can actually type languages or language, and it will bring up a range of games, including teacher PowerPoint packs, uh, word classroom lesson plans, and the games themselves. So we provide the games in packs and resources that you can download uh, and try different things out. 
Marianne, any final words of wisdom you'd like to pass on to our listeners? The special thing about video games for learning is that the game experience is the learning. The learning is fun. The learning is hard. And I think the reason that we enjoy learning and that we enjoy video games is because they present that challenge. And when you complete them, you really get a lasting sense of achievement. Well said. Justin? Be bold, be audacious, and, and, and take a moment to put a game in the classroom and, and just maybe get a few more students hooked on language learning. Marianne and Justin, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening and check out the other conversations of the Teachers Talk Tech podcast by Cambridge University Press and Assessment.